Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I'm excited once again. I'm excited every time I do these. I have an amazing guest on today. Her name is Jody Pettit. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for being on. Uh, you guys are going to love her story. Um, I want to thank our, our sponsor, Veracity Networks, and I want to thank all of you for supporting me and for getting the message out. Uh, these stories that are being shared week after week after week are touching lives all over the planet, actually, and, and the feedback's been phenomenal. So thank thank all of you, and uh, just know that I really appreciate all the support. Um Jody was referred to me by a really good friend, a mutual friend of ours, and because she has an amazing story, uh, she, when she at age of nineteen, she was diagnosed with a severe rheumatoid. Is, am I saying that rheumatoid? Yeah, rheumatoid. Yeah. <laughs> rheumatoid arthritis, and um, you were advised at that time that you weren't going to have any children or you shouldn't even try, kind of thing. No, the doctor told me it would be very selfish that I wouldn't be able to take care of them if I could even get pregnant. Yeah, wow. And um, and then you also, as time went on because of the pain, you had this kind of irrational thought about you want to amputate your feet, correct? Correct. I begged three different doctors to cut my feet off about 10 years ago. Wow. Um, and then you, and you thought a good way to speed that up is like, you know what, maybe I'll run a marathon. Yep, I had a friend who had ran marathons and he'd inspired me and I thought, well, maybe this will be a way I can have a bucket list goal and speed up my other goal of losing the feet. And it was totally irrational, but right, that's where I was at the time. Sure, wow. Well, we're gonna get into all that and I'm excited to hear that and also excited for the listeners to hear how this transformed you to who you are today even and what you're doing even now. And you know you're 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 someone who's passionate about giving hope to other people, because you can see how your story has helped shape people's lives to the point where they want to you know continue living or, you know to to be inspired to do good things in their life and overcome their challenges. So I want to get into all of that, but we're going to start with just give us a little background on where you grew up and you know about your family and things like that. Okay, I grew up right here in Utah. My I lived with my mom in Riverton, and my dad was in Arizona, so I had it backwards. I sent, spent most of my year in Utah, oh. and then I'd spend the summers in Arizona when it was really <laughs> Yes, you hot. did have it backwards. Yeah, yeah so. my brother used to live in Arizona, and he would send me pictures of how hot it was, like 125 in his car. I'd be like, oh, man. Yeah, you can fry a ro- an egg on the road Yeah. in the middle of the summer, and don't love the heat there. I love heat, but not that dry. Right. Arizona heat. So did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, or? I have a sister and then I have half sisters and half brothers. Okay. But good family. Right. Parents who loved me. How how old were you when they uh, divorced? They separated when I was three and divorced probably when I was six. Okay. But grew up most of the time with step parents and yeah. And at the family, and at the time, how did that was that a difficult time for you at six years old to kind of? I don't remember a lot about it. Okay, I think it was for the best with things that were going on. I felt loved by both of my parents, and I missed my dad a lot when I wasn't around him. But right, I had good support. So did did the most did the kids? Did you all the kids stay with your mom and then you yeah go it was visit just me and my sister and then yeah we would go back and forth back and, and forth gotcha both my parents had another child okay so talk about your childhood what what were you into back then and what are some of the things that you were doing I wasn't I like to play ride bikes with friends and neighborhood stuff but I was very motivated in school I got my associate's degree in a year oh, I wow. worked full time not full time but I worked from the time I was fourteen right. And was busy getting good grades and going to work, so not a lot of extracurricular activities with school. I was not an athlete. I wasn't a runner. So were you, I mean, were you, it sounds like you're a hard worker, though. Yes. Yeah. Where did that come from? Is it just something you were expected? Probably both my parents, and uh-huh. I got positive validation in getting good grades and doing good things. That's where I got my validation. Right. Did you, um, so you weren't really involved in any other activities outside of just school other than, you know, obviously you were working. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have a, you know, were you a social person? Did you 
hang out with friends, that kind of thing? I had friends. I was kind of on the edge of different groups, but a lot of different friends. I met my husband the summer between our sophomore and junior years. Okay. And my 17th birthday was our first date. And then (laughs) we had a lot of fun and spent a lot of time together, like from mid-junior year on. Okay. So you met him really young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been married 22 years. Wow, congratulations. And do you have children as well, right? Yeah, we have five kids. Five kids. And again, I bring that up because you were told not to have them or you couldn't have them or you wouldn't be able to take care of them kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So let's let's jump up to, you know, at age 19, you probably noticed some things that were going on with your body that were, you know, wasn't normal. Something was wrong. Let's talk about that and kind of how this all played out. Yeah, I had got, we'd gotten married young. I'd went away to college, got my associate's degree, and came back, and we got married. Six months into our marriage, I was having a lot of pain in my hands and my feet. I was wearing slippers to work. Mm. I had a job where I typed a lot, and I could hardly type. And one doctor said, well, you have carpal tunnel. Let's operate on both your hands. They were telling me I had neuromas in my feet, was causing the pain. And I had a lady I worked with whose son had rheumatoid arthritis. And she's like, you might have these things going on, but that's not your problem. Go get checked. These are the blood tests. Okay. So she probably saved me years of misdiagnosis to get diagnosed early. And my markers were extremely high. I went to the rheumatologist and he said, yeah, you it was everywhere. My shoulders, my hips, my knees, my hands, my feet. Had a hard time getting out of bed in the morning at 19. At 19. And the doctor was like, yeah, the best we can do is try to slow it down, but prepare yourself as severe as it is now. You'll most likely be in a wheelchair in the next 10 years and recommended that I not have children. And it was devastating. I went from his office. I'm close with my grandparents. I went to my grandma and grandpa's house and curled up in my grandpa's lap and sobbed. And then I went home and asked my husband for a divorce (laughs) because really, We'd been very active. We wanted children. I thought my life was over. It was depressing. And I didn't think that it was fair to him. It wasn't what he signed up for. And practically begged him to divorce me. And he was rational and I wasn't. Yeah, because you were thinking, I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. Because based on what I've just heard. And at 19, when you hear that from a doctor, you just, you, you buy into all of it. Yeah, you have like life I, goals and yeah, it's all gone. It's now gone. I can, so it sounds like you kind of went into, not kind of, but you were depressed. Oh, yeah. And my husband was really good about it. And if we don't have kids, I'll take care of you. And I'm in it for better or worse in sickness and health. So and he said this to you at that time. Yeah, and he's always been my biggest cheerleader. Were you kind of, were you kind of surprised by his response at that time? I mean... I just didn't think he understood. I'm like, no, this is, you can still, we're young, start yeah. over, but. Right. And and that's kind of, is that kind of, do you like worry about other people in that kind of way where you're always like, hey. Yeah. And I think I'll in the sacrifice. early years I tried to hide it more. Okay. To protect him that he didn't see how sick I was. The first 10 years was, it was really learning to be Physically active saved my life. I ate a ton of ibuprofen. I had babies. I would go to re- into remission when I was pregnant, and then I would flare terribly after. But the doctor telling me that I didn't have any right to have children, I was very stubborn. I didn't ask for help. I had something to prove that I could take okay. care of my kids. Well, let's go back. So you, you hear the news, and, and you know the doctor confirms this is what you have, and then he's saying you know you, you shouldn't have kids because you won't be able to take care of them. Obviously, you, like you said, you were devastated. You, you Even to the point where you want to you tell your husband, let's get divorced so you can go have your family kind of thing. Wh- how did you get to the point where you said, no, I'm going to have kids. I don't care what the doctor says. I'm going to have them. It what? didn't take very long. Okay. Um, the doctor sent me home with a prescription to treat the disease, and I'd read the side effects, and I thought about it. Um. I count on my faith and promptings and I just felt like it was not good for me. It was a mistake. So I didn't take the medication. Oh really? Okay. 
didn't go back to the rheumatologist and said, no, I want to be a mother if we're going to do this. So I wow. immediately started trying to have children. And it took a little bit of time, like I think a year and a half. I had my first son when I was 22. Okay, I was going to say, how old were you when you guys started trying? So you're around 21-ish? Yeah. Okay. So you, your first son at 22? Mm-hmm. And then talk about that because you said you would go through some really horrific pains because of this. When I got pregnant with him, I felt amazing. And I'm like, well, maybe this isn't going to be as bad. The, the disease calmed down. I had a great pregnancy. Carried him to term. Okay. And then six weeks after, I was just flaring, which my hands didn't work. I couldn't. I would. My husband would leave for work in the morning, and I would put the baby in the bassinet, and I'd get in the tub. And it was hard to get in. It was even harder to get out when I would wait till the baby was crying and then just sob and try to pull myself out to take care of him. Wow. But I did it. Well, you did and it. And then you're, obviously your husband knew that you were going through this as well. And like he was supportive and, the, and he'd take care of me. And right. We went out to dinner a lot so that I didn't have to cook. And That's good. <laughs> yeah, I had my first three kids. There's three years and two months. So I had three babies and just over three years so there was some remission time and I didn't want him to be an only child and I didn't know what the disease progression would be right that I wanted my family and after the third one we it was enough (laughs) we were busy and then waited three years and then there's three years between the younger two the younger two okay so um what's interesting is I mean having one child was a challenge right you have five, <laughs> which yes. I don't know. It kind of, you know, I get the feeling that you were kind of like this, you know what, I'm not going to let this, this doctor define me or define my life by what he said or she, whoever it was. Yeah, Is it was that, probably a gift to me because without the hard diagnosis and the harsh words that he used, I don't know that I would have fought as hard. Mm. I might have given up, but it, I had something to prove, so... I fought harder. Well, you know what's interesting you say that is a lot of people might have given up by hearing, here's the authority figure telling me this. This is what I've got. I'm 19. It would have been easy to give up, but you took it as almost as as a challenge. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Wow. Have you always been like that? That kind of mental attitude and mindset? I've got some stubbornness. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, what a gift that is, right? Absolutely. If you use it in the right way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it can hurt you too. So talk about having, now you you know, you know get to the point where you now have five children. Um, talk about that. How are you doing health-wise at this point? Like I said, every pregnancy I would go into remission and then flare about six weeks later. Okay. And after baby number five, I was put on the mini pill, which is progesterone only. Okay. And it kept me in remission for 16 months between that and nursing oh, really? and I felt great that's when I started running it's when I started being active okay and so recognizing there's some there's a hormonal connection with the disease gotcha and treating it that way because so that's why you'd always go in remission when you were pregnant because mm-hmm. your of progesterone's the high your estrogen's low okay estrogen's yeah. more inflammatory progesterone's more anti-inflammatory I, there's more to it than that I think right. what we understand with hormones is just the tip of the iceberg in science. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, so now you're you, you have was it 16 months? You said of feeling really really good. Mm-hmm. Started running. Started getting involved with that. I was doing good. I still had the damage because it was the same time period that I was begging for my feet to be cut off. Okay, that's what I wanted to talk about. Now, this is a very interesting part of your story. I mean, you got to the point in this that you really wanted your feet amputated because you thought, if they hurt this bad, why have them? I would assume that's what you were thinking, yeah. right? So was this after having the five kids or during all of this? The, you dis- were think- it, the damage progressing through that first 10 years. Okay. And I had, I had multiple neuromas that I'd treated multiple times, and they would just grow back in different places. I'd had cryosurgery and different treatments for them. So for for our listeners who don't know what that is, explain that. Cryosurgery is they take, I think, nitrous oxide and on a probe and cut a hole in your foot and put that 
end of the probe into the tumor. There's a tumor around the nerve. Oh, okay. And freeze it to kill the tumor. Gotcha. So it's just a different way to treat the tumors. And part of that is the biomechanics from the disease that you're more prone to get neuromas. Okay. And, but every itis that you could name, plantar fasciitis, there's like eight different ones that I had at the time. You had them all. All diagnosed in my feet. Wow. And no wonder they were just on Yeah, like bone on, on fire. bone. I'd eaten most of the cartilage, not very much padding left under my metatarsals. And the, the foot surgeon had agreed. He's like, you're going to need joint replacement, but the technology for your age, it's not going to last. Mm. The longer you can wait, the better your outcome. I'm not, it's not time to do that yet. Right. So they were just putting me off. And that's why the thought that, well, if I run a marathon, I can speed it up to where they'll agree to do this for me. Yeah. So I want to remind the listeners, you had this thought in your head that if I run a marathon, I'll speed up the process and I can have, get two things done. I run a marathon and then... Have my get, either joint replacement or I, I just wanted my feet cut off. I hurt so bad. It's not rational, but I wasn't in a place of rational thought. Well, I wore slippers. I could barely walk and you think you're going to run. And my friend was just telling me, go to the run store, get properly fitted. Why can't you do this? And he believed it. So he kind of got me to believe it. And it was extremely painful when I started running. I was barely walking. Right. I would walk a hundred yards and be in extreme pain, spend multiple hours laying down. Yeah. Were you thinking I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna train for a marathon though? Is that where you were at at this point? Yeah, signed up for okay. a marathon. I'd actually signed up to do a marathon relay with a friend where I had to run five miles, and I asked my husband, "Do you think I can do this?" He said, "Well, you're signed up to run a marathon. You better be able to run five miles." <laughs> right. So, it still it was not <laughs> right. totally logical, but sure. I would run and my feet would hurt. But it, because I want pain is supposed to tell you to stop. Yeah. It's a warning. But when you're not afraid of it, I was, tr I was trying to do the opposite. I was trying to damage it worse. So the fact that it hurt didn't stop me. So it was excruciatingly painful when I started running. Yeah. But I wasn't afraid of it that it kept running. My knees used to swell very big. When I started running, they right. didn't swell anymore. Okay. I, there's days I'm still, I'm limping. I can barely walk, but I can go run five miles and feel good. Wow. And... So yeah, since 2013, I haven't missed a day of physical activity. Okay, I want to get to that, but I want to go. I still Sorry. want. No, you're good. No, you're wonderful, Jody. Um, so you're training for this first marathon, and again, your mindset in the back of your mind, at least, is like, you know, I hope this speeds up the process. Joint replacement, or I just want my feet gone. Mm -hmm. So you you train for this. You go through all this pain. I mean, horrific pain at times. But then you, you run the marathon, right? You train enough to where you can actually run it, correct? I ran it. It didn't go well. I'd actually, okay. I had hip pain going in and I'd gone to a couple different, like a chiropractor and a physical therapist. And they're like, mm -hmm. well, your hamstrings, your everything's tight. You need to stretch, but it'll be okay. You can run it. And I didn't respect the distance. I wasn't a runner. I showed up to my college fitness class in cowboy boots to run a mile that you had to pass the class. In I didn't cowboy own boots? Run, yeah, because I didn't own run shoes. I was not an athlete. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, no They're probably athletic. looking at you going, what is this woman doing? Yeah, I th it was either, <laughs> you had to run it in like either 13 or 15 minute mile Okay. to pass the class, and that was a big deal for me Sure. at that point when I was healthy. You're right. And so I went into the marathon with this high expectation of running fast and mind over matter. As I'd ran, like, by seven miles, my feet would go numb. I could manage the pain better. I didn't realize how much it was improving my feet, but the inflammation, the plantar fasciitis had been, gone away. By running. By running. So all these things that stop people from being active, mine was getting better and improving the more I was physically active, the more I ran. Was it surprising you, though, at the time? Like, were you going, man, this is, I wasn't expecting it was. this. And... So during the marathon, mile eight, my leg buckled. So I stopped and stretched and kept running, got through the half. It was a pretty fast half. Mm -hmm. And mile 14, I had this stabbing pain in my leg and I couldn't, 
and like if I keep running, I'm gonna, I only have like 10 more steps. So I slowed down and first it was a jog Mm -hmm. and then I started walking and it got slower and slower. I had three people stop on the marathon course to ask if I was okay to give me a ride. And I, at the time I'm like, this is my bucket list. I probably only can do this once. I'm going to finish this. I didn't know what was wrong. Right. But I was in extreme pain and was fantasizing about morphine. It's like if somebody had a morphine shot, right? you know, because I had this pain, but (laughs) I'm limping and I'm walking Mm -hmm. and I finished the marathon six hours and 11 minutes. They'd taken down the course. It wasn't the last one, but it should have been from my time of my first half of it should have been around four hours. And then I just kept changing my goal. I wanted a four hour marathon. Then I changed it to, well, this time kept recalculating based on the speed I was going and it ended up 20 minute miles limping the last 10 miles. Right. And finished it, and by the time we got home, I couldn't put any weight on my leg. So I crawled in my house, and I had blisters. My husband helped me release, and I was just crying because I was, I'd crawled with my first baby when I was flaring, and I couldn't walk, so I would carry him. My husband was a builder. We lived in a multi-level home. Okay. And he built a different home, so I didn't have to do stairs because I couldn't go up and down stairs. And the risk of dropping my baby was too great. Right. We've yeah. always had a handicapped accessible home with everything I need on the main floor. Okay. Since then. But I was sobbing, but it was happiness because I said I used to feel like this for no good reason. My body just attacking itself. And today mm. I feel like this because I did something great. Wow. And I, I earned this wow. pain. But what I did was I stress fractured my femoral head. And I just didn't know it oh, and wow. pushed so far past pain that my nerves stopped firing. I had to go to physical therapy to learn to walk again. It took six months to recover, but that's the time period that I learned because people would ask me, you must love running. And no, I have, hate it. <laughs> Doing this for a goal. Hate it, hate it. And then that time when I couldn't walk after and I was recovering and I'm looking back at how good I felt when I did it, changed my perspective and without that injury I don't know maybe I would have only done the one marathon and checked the box but realized this this makes my life better I feel better when I can move my disease is in better shape I don't think it's just movement I think same thing I think there's a hormone response right all of that endorphins yeah from running especially yeah that helps me manage my disease so did you ever so you get done with that marathon and you're going through all this pain. You can't even walk. You're going through physical therapy now. Did you ever in your mind at any time regret running it? No. No, wow. the physical therapist is like, you're not built like this. You shouldn't be a runner. And same thing. It's like, well, then I'll do the exercise. I'll strengthen my core. You're like, sorry. And I fr- stress fractured my femoral heads, diagnosed by M- MRIs two more times. I think a fourth time that I didn't get an MRI and just... I, c- I knew the signs, so wow. I backed off. And that's when I started. After a couple, I switched. I s- my goal was to run the Boston Marathon. Okay. After that first marathon, I set that goal as a really big goal. Right. Not even knowing if I could ever achieve it, but something high that would force me to work hard to keep moving. Because when I set a goal, I commit to it and I, I follow through. Yeah. So I switched to long distance triathlon <laughs> to cross train so I wouldn't keep breaking my legs. It. Right. And wow. That I just, I love being around the people. They turn endurance athletes. Pain is bad in most settings, but especially when you have chronic pain, it's depressing. Yeah. And you go work with, you have friends that are endurance athletes and they turn pain into something positive. And they fight through it, and it's on purpose, and it just gives you a different mindset. Well, is that, you know, you mentioned, you know, in in, in your bio with me is how that you, you kind of accidentally found the secret to your success. Totally accidental. Right. I You're was like, expecting the exact opposite. <laughs> right. That is fascinating. And I think that um, I, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this who have chronic pain, they might be thinking, what? What would you tell them? Like, 
I'd say you've got to be careful, but right. move. Movement. Move it or lose it. Yeah. You've got to move. You've got to fight back. Right. And I, my one of my go-tos, I just say no excuses. Wow. You can't do everything. You do need to listen. If you're actively flaring, I'll, I'll pull run. Right. Swim. You've got to adapt for what's going on. If you have an active flaring joint, you don't want to go destroy it. Right. But within reason, there's something you can do. Right. If it's floor exercises. Right. No, I love that. I think moving, I agree with you, is just getting up and moving, if anything, right? Yeah, walking. And if you walk. can't walk, then stationary bike, recumbent bikes. There's different ways to find the ability to move. And for well, some, it's harder than others, but there's, you can be creative. And I'm just something. so impressed with you, Jody, because like, you even got to the point where you would just, you would crawl holding your child. I mean, you did, you just did whatever it took. Yeah. And my main focus was my kids. Yeah. So I took care of them. Yeah. The first 10, I ate a lot of ibuprofen. Luckily (laughs) I don't like pain meds. So always stayed up. Ibuprofen was the strongest thing I ever took. Right. That's, uh, that's also impressive based on what you've gone through. So how many marathons have you ran now? I've ran eight marathons. (laughs) <laughs> and a full Ironman that has a marathon. Now end. explain what an Ironman is for s- those who are hearing this. They're not quite sure what that is. Ironman, you swim 2.4 miles in open water. Then you bike 112 miles. And you s- run a full marathon, which is 26.2 miles. So it's 140.6 miles Wow! in one setting. You just go until you're done. And that's difficult for anyone when when someone's perfectly healthy yeah it's a challenge and then here you are doing it with going through with the pain that you're going through yeah I signed up for Ironman Arizona in 2015 because Arizona's warm and cold makes my joints hurt it shuts me down gotcha and it was a monsoon it was hypothermic they pulled a bunch of athletes from the race and like the last climb I pedaled one-legged because my right knee locked up with the cold and I'm biking, and I'm like, how am I going to run? I can't even pedal, but it's a different mechanism. And my husband helped me with training and had me listen to different podcasts and things for the mental side of it. And it's yeah. with the mentality of stay in your box. Mm-hmm. You can only worry about what you're dealing with right now. Anything outside your box, anything outside the three feet around you, it's not your concern. Wow. And that helps too with the chronic pain when you're suffering. And right. what can I do right now in this minute to make it better? Do that. Don't worry about tomorrow or a mile down the road. Stay in your box. And when okay. you get to the next step, then you worry about that. Worry then. about that. Wow. Let's talk about that, that mental training you did. I'd love to hear how, what, what you learned, what you've, you know, kind of cultivated into your daily routine. Let's talk about that because I think a lot of us who are listening to this maybe struggle with, you know, meant being mentally strong. I mean, you're obviously mentally strong. Talk about how you cultivated that and what that looks like. I think through the experiences I've had, because I wasn't expecting it. Stubbornness helps me be mentally strong, but then I think some people would call that drive. True. I I I think you have this, and and again, I I know what you're saying. You're being you're stubborn, like I'm, but I I call that. I think that's that drive. I mean, it's one thing to be motivated, and motivation's good, but motivation goes away. It's that drive, like because I mean, here you are fighting through this pain. Motivation doesn't get you through that. It's the drive you have in you, or as you would call it, it's a commitment. Yeah, it's your personal integrity that you say you're going to do it that you do it but beyond that I just think we are capable of so much more than we think our minds limit us right it's like I have a really good friend we run and she says when you're in a marathon you can watch and see when people give up don't look at them because it'll affect your mental strength right and I think it's easier because I've had pain that I know how to deal with it Mm -hmm. I have a high pain tolerance from years 
sure. of practice. A lot of practice. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. anybody, it's like you hear these amazing stories about different people accomplishing amazing things, going through crazy situations, but the body can do so much more. I think our brain's built to stop us, to keep us safe. Right. But the body achieves what the mind believes. So if you believe in it, you can do it. Wow, I love that. Very well said. What is there something you do on a daily basis that, to, to train or to stay in that kind of mental mindset that you're in? I don't know about daily when I'm struggling. Because I, I still get depressed. I still get down, mm-hmm. have anxiety. But recognizing where you've been, look back at what you've accomplished, and just keep moving forward. I've got that Dory from Finding Nemo. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have a mantra and it's just even just, just keep swimming or something silly, but just repeat the words. And if I can't mentally do it, I'll count. Oh, really? I'll just, I'll just count to a hundred over and over just so that I clear my mind that my thoughts aren't getting in the way of. So you're focused on the do. number, not the pain or anything yeah, else. Just, okay. I'll just count. It sounds I don't know, but it works for me. No, I understand. A lot of people use that kind of a mantra and, you know, what have you, whatever that moment may be. But again, it's because our our, our thoughts are powerful, you yeah. know. And, and like, if they're negative, you've got to get rid of them. Yeah, kind of like your trainers saying, don't look at the people who are giving up in the marathon because that will just don't even look at them. Just keep going, right? Don't even give that a, a, a second thought. Yeah. So, wow, that's impressive. I'm so impressed. To hear this because, you know, I don't know. I just, you're, you're, you're really inspiring to me because anyone would just, if you, if you said, yeah, I'm going to be in a wheelchair because of this, I don't think anyone would really argue with that because they'd be like, no, we understand you're in so much pain. We get it. But you're like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I don't think without that first marathon. I don't think I'd be where I am. Right. I'd probably be in the wheelchair. So doing that first marathon almost kind of gave you like, I can do anything. Yeah, it changed my perspective. Yeah. It saved my life. Wow. Saved your feet. Saved my feet. They still hurt there. The night before I ran Boston Marathon, I, so I did end up qualifying. Yeah, it took about. me seven marathons to qualify. Several of them. I've got really good luck with bad weather, you know, hypothermic. <laughs> right. Even the year I ran Boston uh-huh. was the year that was the worst wet weather year on record. And the night before I ran the marathon, I stubbed my toe and they're already, oh. there's no cartilage. So I permanently disjointed it. So maybe that icy, cold, freezing water made it easier to run that day. Numbed it a little bit for yeah. you so you could get through it. But yeah, now when I run, because my toes are disjointed and there's not padding, I, I form blood blisters from the inside out, and wow. And then they get they callus, and then it's better for a couple months, and then right. we start over. So as you're going through all these marathons, and you're you know you're doing amazing things now, and you're you're working on your mental game, and how how's things going at this time? Like, how are your kids reacting to all this? So talk about that for a minute. One of the reasons I wanted to keep doing things is so that my kids knew that I didn't give up. And they, my kid, I've got great kids. My oldest is 20, and then the youngest is 10. I've got two daughters that just went to college. One graduated high school a year oh, early. Right on. And they all each have their own challenges right. and struggles. And some of them embrace it more than others. Some of them choose to struggle. And... It makes me sad because I'm like, I've already struggled. I want you to learn, but they have to learn for themselves. Yeah, you you can't do it for can't them. Do it for you them. want to, but you <laughs> want to. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they. Yeah, my twelve-year-old broke his collarbone, separated his shoulder the first day of summer, and it was scary. It's they thought that his neck was broken. Ambulance ride. Oh wow! And. <clears throat> He's outside bouncing a ball two days later with his friend. I'm like, you, you're supposed to be recovering. Yeah, you're supposed to be laying field. down. <laughs> yeah, but to keep him still. But I see that as you know, he's watched his mom and yeah. 
he's going to stay active. It's a week later, he's asking his dad to put his bike on a trainer so he can still ride even though he can't use his arm. So he's stubborn like his mom. Yeah. <laughs> right? So. Wow. So, in, and I would imagine, um, you know, let's talk about your husband for a minute. What, what an amazing guy it sounds like he is. He is, I mean, he's supportive. I mean, even from the very beginning when he's like, I don't care if the doctor says we're not going to have kids, then I'll just be with you. Yeah. I'll take care of you kind of thing. I mean, what a what a gift he's been in your life. Talk about that. He's, he's always believed in me. And he actually started, not marathon running, but he started with Ironman. He's done a handful of full Ironmans. Jeez. He's qualified for the world championship at the half distance. So he's really? my trainer. I don't... I need somebody more to tell me n- what not to do than a set schedule. Right. Because if I'm told this is what you have to do, and I've learned. Or in, 10 years ago, I would do it and get hurt. And when I started lifting weights, I couldn't lift my own arm to comb my hair. It was yeah. two arms. So it was a, it was really sick. Right. It was a process to get better and one step forward and two back. But he's always helped me find, like with the snorkel, I'm... I swim with a snorkel. I have herniated discs at C2, C3, bone spurs, and then I have more problems with my cer- with my thoracic spine. Okay. But I was in the pool training for my first half Ironman. Okay. And something went wrong in my neck, and I couldn't use my left arm. And my vision went black and everything. I got really dizzy. And, you know, at first, my heart attack shouldn't affect your vision, but your arm was trying. I didn't know what was wrong. Yeah. And I pinched a nerve and cut off the blood supply to my brain. Something with the motion of turning your head to swim. Really? I can't do it. It messes me up neurologically. I can't use my arm for a few days. I can't see. I have migraines. So I was trying to overcome it. Every time I got back in the pool, it was bad. Luckily, I was in a pool and not open water. Right. And he said, well, why don't you try a snorkel? Because I was like, great, now I can't do this. I wanted to do this. So he's the one that helps me think outside of the box. Yeah. And find my way around the problem to find a solution. He's smart. He researches. He reads right. medical studies. That's awesome. And he's like, well, why don't you try this? And then it was all good. And It's like, I mean, the whole time just believing in you. Like, no, yeah. we'll, we'll figure this out. You we'll can do this. We'll find a way. Yeah, and that—that's wow. his—that's just his attitude. So, wow, what what a blessing that's been for you, then, right? Absolutely. Through this whole thing. Because when you're feeling down and you don't feel like you can do it, there's still someone telling you, "Yeah, you yeah. can." What's his name? Josh. Josh. A little shout out to Josh there. What a great guy. Sounds like he got a great family. Um, and wasn't the Iron Man? I think we were talking before we got on the air here that they weren't going to let you do it with a snorkel. Is that correct? They did for the first few years, so oh, I did okay. my first half Ironman. I used a snorkel. When I did Ironman Arizona, I used a snorkel. Okay. Um, somebody actually took it off my face and threw it. I guess they didn't think I should have it. And luckily, I was able to recover it, or my race would really? have been over. Like someone just in the mid-race just, just in the chucked mid-race it. just grabbed it from my face. and Like, she's cheating. Yeah, which <laughs> in their rules disqualifies you from any... I'm not fast enough to podium anyway, but... right. You're not winning anything. You're just participating. Right. It's not in the way of anything. So in 2017, they changed their rules. They, to align with ITU, which is the International Triathlon Union outside of the United States. They got bought out by a Japanese company, I believe. Oh, okay. So all of, most other triathlons in the United States are USAT. I believe that acronym's right. Sanctioned races. Okay. And snorkels allowed. No problem. Oh, okay. Iron Man changed their rules and wouldn't allow them anymore for any reason. And I Iron Man is very inspiring. They have this anything is possible motto. They support challenged athletes. Yeah. Um Bob Babbitt is the founder of the Challenged Athletes Foundation. He does amazing work. Right. to support amputees and other physically mm-hmm. challenged athletes. And to me, I viewed this as something similar. You've got somebody with an invisible challenge, right? and you're not allowing them to participate. It's not about winning. It's about being able to 
gain from the experience, the benefits you get from being physically active, the right. stories, like, you know, there's some blind athletes, there's some amputees that have gone to war and lost yeah. limbs and right. they inspire other people and it's amazing. And I love the organization for that. And I have friends that one had cystic fibrosis and had double lung transplant and his doctor would approve him to and he's a triathlete would approve him to swim with a snorkel because he felt that it reduced his risk enough uh, okay for infection gotcha that he could swim that way but not without so i fought them for over a year really went all the way to the ada for um disability violations discrimination right and then i met bob babbitt the founder really? of challenged athlete foundation really? and he helped me it's still not legal outside of the united states because they don't have to follow the same laws okay but a triathlete can swim in an iron mountain event when medically necessary with medical documentation in the united states wow so. that's awesome how was it when you met him was he was he receptive to your your plea and Oh yeah. Or was there any he resistance? Was great. He was already on the phone calling like the head referee. A friend of mine had introduced us and had already told him our story and what was going on. What well, is actually the president of the triathlon club that Salt Lake Triath Salt Lake Tri Club. Okay. He came here to speak. Wow. And stayed in contact and he's just he's an amazing person that does a lot of Sounds good in like the world. Yeah, he's changed nations. Wow. And how incredible. disabled people are viewed. Yeah. Incredible. There's that stubbornness again, right? That drive yeah. for you getting stuff done. Well, by then it wasn't about me. I Yeah. I didn't ever have to do another Ironman event. Right. I raced actually Xterra was amazing and embracing me as a challenged athlete that I don't look challenged but told my story. I was able to race in their Pan American Championship and so I ra raced in Beaver Creek and Snow Basin, and then I did their Worlds in Xterra really? last year. Really? That's awesome. So That's impressive. But I wa the reason I fought it was for hope and what it can give to somebody, and I knew yeah. how much it meant to me and to be able to race on that level and to be around the other endurance athletes. I didn't want to take that away from somebody that had the same weakness that I had. Right. I wanted them to have that opportunity. Man, that's great. That's amazing. Good for you. Um, do you are you doing anything now? Are you training for other marathons? Do you have other plans? What tell, I, tell us about that? I'm doing Oceanside, which is a seventy point three. It's a half Ironman race next April. I ran Big Cottonwood half last week or two oh, weeks ago. Okay. I want I want to qualify for the New York Marathon, which is a faster qualifying time than Boston. Okay. And you can do it at a half, but. I, my feet blistered. I am taking the medication. Last year at a race, my lungs partially collapsed. So I've changed my protocol, but I'm dealing with a lot of side effects okay. from the biological drugs and questioning that I want to keep doing it, but I'm trying it right now. Yeah, just to see. And my yeah. foot ripped apart. So I, I ran a 147 half marathon, but it was a 137 I need for New York. Yeah. So when I get healthy i plan to run some more halves and hopefully run some fulls wow and try and i keep a couple triathlons on my schedule i do a lot more training than i do racing okay just a few races a year and then my kids are all involved in sports and saturdays are more dedicated to supporting them supporting at this point. them at, oh good for you um, yeah, I, I last year ran actually my very first half marathon. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, and I'm, I'm running the same half here. It's coming up here in October. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I feel kind of almost uh, guilty because I sit there and complain that, you know, I've got a little hurt here, there, and then I listen to you and I'm like, what am I complaining about? Just You're just really inspiring. Um, you Thank really you. truly are. Um, what are you doing well, let me let me say this. Let me ask it this way: What if there's someone listening to this podcast right now and they're struggling, they're going through a difficult time, you know, with whatever it might be? What advice could you give them right now? And 
you know, what challenge could you give them to, to maybe get up and move? I would say, remember that I tell my kids this all the time. Perspective is everything. Change your perspective and change your world. If you can find gratitude, even mm. in the darkest, ugliest situations, and not just physical help, there's a lot of different hurts people are dealing with, a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. depression, pain. But if you can find something to be grateful for, find the silver lining. Maybe it's not what's going on, but find something to be grateful for and change your perspective can help you climb out of that hole and move forward. And then just, yeah, do something. Yeah. Try it. Just try it. Walk around the neighborhood. Just move. I'm I'm really impressed with that. And I, and I, I agree. I think that gratitude piece is very powerful and you know, if here's a, here's a tough question I'm going to ask you, okay? If you could go back and change any of this, would you? I can't. Because it's it's who I am. Right. Like less yeah. pain now, but from what it's taught me and where right. I've the empathy and the people that I've met and the experiences I've had, you can't give any of that back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I figured that's how you'd respond and I'm I just again, it's impressive and you know, I, I've had a lot of people on this podcast who have been through some really difficult times and without fail, they all say, no, I wouldn't change a thing. Yes, it was tough. It was hard. It was, you know, I, I wouldn't even maybe wish it on someone else, but it is what it is. I went through it, but man, I look at all these experiences and how I've grown as a person because of it. Wouldn't change it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Man. Um, so are you, have you ever written a book or... No, Have you ever I've had shared a few your whole say, story? I've got a few magazine articles, but mm-hmm. I haven't quite figured out what I would want to say. Yeah. But would like to at some point. Well, I'm going to just put my little jab in with you. You should write a book and share your story because, you know, have you ever heard of a guy named David Goggins? Yes. I've, have you read his book? I've read his book. Can't Hurt Me, right? Yeah. And listen to the Audible. I mean, you remind me of him, honestly. And I've studied him. I've read his Less book. Less swear words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're not dropping an F-bomb every two seconds. But I, just the mentality you have, I mean, it's right up there with him. Thank and you. And it's impressive. It truly is. And, and it inspires me as I'm sitting here listening, not only that, you know, with whether it's exercise or running or setting, but it's more about just believing that I can do anything. And that's the, that's the message I'm getting from you as I sit here and listen to your story, is that I, I believe I can do anything. That's what I want to share, so thank you. Yeah. You know, um, I a little plug here. I had someone tell me once, if do, if you ever want to leave a legacy, and, and most people say, yeah, I would love to leave a legacy. And they say the, the only way you can actually do that is if you um, write your story down even if it's just for your family. So when, when, when we're no longer here on this earth, your story is it's, it's in someone's hands. Now, now you've left the legacy. And now people can still read about you hundreds of years from now. And so I really think you should. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the first one to buy your book, honestly. Um, but I just think this is just impressive. And I know you're not out looking for glory or anything like that. I mean, your kids come first. You just said that. It's, I don't think it's about that. It's kind of like you said, you want to give hope to people. You mentioned before we got on that someone was thinking of ending their life um, until they read your article. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm more of an introverted person. I don't like the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And years ago, Desert News, there was an article that was written for the Salt Lake City Marathon when I was still dreaming of running Boston. And a friend had asked me to do it. And was uncomfortable but I talked to the reporter and did the story and a couple days later later I got several emails from different people forwarded from the author saying that they had read the story one had said you know I read your story today and it gives me hope I didn't end my life today wow because of it and that's humbling yeah and it to be able to have that kind of impact doesn't feel like I should be able to have that kind of impact number one but recognizing someone saying that you do 
makes it how I need to share yeah what I've gone through and that it can get better I share a lot in online support groups for people with chronic pain okay RA and when they're really struggling and it's this is so horrible I'm I'm done it's just yeah just remember I don't care what anybody tells you this isn't it wow it does get better that's great your pain might be 20 on a scale to 10 but tomorrow can get better there are still good days and you can find joy in the middle of the pain yeah and in the suffering and it's in the, in the scriptures you can't know joy without pain yeah without suffering right so well you know i have a lot of clients that i work with who are have chronic pain and, and i can't wait to have them listen to this because i mean it really is inspiring because i think a lot of people who have that chronic pain they do think this is it and it's just life's over and my life, you know, kind of like you felt at 19 when you heard the news and then the doctor telling you don't ever have kids because you can't, won't be able to do it, how depressing that felt in that moment. But that luckily you fought through that and, and look what you're doing now. I mean, five kids later, your kids are doing great, you're doing great, you're doing these amazing things and, you know, it, just reading on paper all these great things you've done, no one would ever know that you've had rheumatoid arthritis and that you've struggled with that. Yeah. They, would not, they wouldn't even know, among the other things. No, and it, it doesn't, unless I you look at my hands or mm-hmm. my feet, and it's very obvious. But right. just to look at me, my husband teases me. He's like, you don't look sick. <laughs> but Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I want to thank you for being on here and sharing your story today. Um, it's like I said, very inspiring. If someone wanted to reach out to you when they hear this and they have a question for you or want to just tell you thanks, is there a way that they could reach out to you? They can find me on Facebook. Okay. It's Jody Brunson Pettit. Okay. On there, it's probably the easiest way. Okay. Or and to send like a, a message th- yeah. via Facebook. Yeah, that's okay. probably the easiest way. Great. I used to blog a lot, but a lot of it was about my kids. And oh, as okay. they got older and were facing more serious and just teenage stuff. I wanted them to have their privacy. Right. So I stopped blogging. Oh, wow. Well, your philosophy is there is joy and success and happiness to be found in the journey. And you really are, you know, the model of that. And I, I can't thank you enough for being on. And listeners, I mean, there you go. What an amazing story. Jody um, is someone that we can all look up to. And when we're struggling, Let's, we could use her story and her life as a way of going, you know what, I can get through this. And uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this, share this with people you may know that have chronic pain, um, who maybe are thinking of running a marathon, but they believe they can't. Have them listen to Jody's story, and they'll be inspired to move forward and, and do the things that uh, they thought they otherwise couldn't. Right? Thank you. Thanks, you Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you so much for being on. And until next time, right? Okay, thank you.